Welcome to the Scale with Tech and AI Growth Lab podcast. I am your host, Jay Farr at Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is Charles Johnson. Charles is the founder at Bidlock.com. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jay. My pleasure. So tell us about Bidlock.com. Can you give us a, an overview of what it is and what you're offering? Oh, absolutely. Bitlock was a design of something that just came about after being in the corporate space for about 30 years. I realized that there had been a significant gap in the marketplace. Corporations have been utilizing procurement and supply chain departments for decades and have been doing great, uh, having great success with it. But what was missing was that small businesses didn't have that luxury. And so I had taken upon myself to just build out a platform that would be dedicated to small businesses for small businesses, which means that small businesses can take the liberties of putting out a bid for services and products that they're looking for, getting contracts executed through the platform, as well as making their initiating invoicing as well as payments through the platform. The intent behind this was is that because we have so much activity going on in the small business space, and I'll just throw out this statistic from the SBA, there's more than 99.9% .9 of the registered businesses in the United States are registered small businesses. Now, mind you, the definitions have been convoluted a little bit over the years, but mm -hmm. you think about small businesses in general and them making up about 50% or more of our labor force. We cannot afford to lose them. So my goal was is to put together a platform that's dedicated for small businesses to help them save money, cut cost without cutting people, and also being able to work within their own respected communities. So that means that if prime contractors are looking for small businesses, they can go to the platform. If small businesses are looking to do business amongst each other, which is what we're really looking for to, that to happen, they can do that through the platform. And if there are supplier diversity organizations or small business organizations who are advocates, then they too can go onto the website and they can identify and find small businesses as well as local municipalities. So the goal is that rather than having a small business directory and people still having to go call, pick up the phone, gather quotes and things of that nature, just put a request into the platform and as the old guy, what was it, the infomercial, Ron Popeil, just set it and forget it. That's generally what you have to do. Just put your request in and let the platform do the rest of the work. Awesome. Would you say Bidlock is a little bit like the Upwork for small businesses? I would take it a step further. Upwork is for, it, it's a gig work platform. You have some small businesses that go through and you have some freelancers that work through the platform, but where you do have the gap is that the projects are listed on there. There's not really a bidding structure. It's more of, okay, here's what I'm looking for. And people are just throwing things at you without a vetting process. And then when you look at the contracting element, it's subject to whatever contracts that person comes up with. And there's no negotiation pattern that's managed through the site. So you're free willy when you're on that platform. And now they do have a separate arm where they're doing escrows, which is good, but because they're breaking it all up into pieces and they're not targeting any particular audiences, 
It's just for everyone. And we want to take a different approach to this where we want to help the consumer, but also protect the small businesses as well. And this way we can actually manage everything in one singular fashion without making it too cluttered. Is BidLock primarily for small businesses looking to do business with other small businesses? That's our primary focus, but we do offer the opportunities for prime contractors to identify and locate small businesses that they may be seeking for government contracts. We also offer an outsourcing capability where local municipalities uh, can also utilize the tool if they are looking to do more bids within their space. If you may have gaps in experience or capabilities or capacity, the tool actually helps those smaller municipalities. But the other real builder for us is, is that we're white labeling our application. So that does mean that if you are an organization and you may not want to just go to the website, you can actually license our tool to be able to use it yourself with your own branding. So we want it to be as flexible as we possibly can to make sure that small businesses are getting as much opportunity as they possibly can from all sources. We know that some businesses in, in certain regions do not have the capability or the flexibility or even a platform that will allow them to go and do business anywhere across the U.S. We're allowing that to happen through our platform. Yeah, that's really exciting. It's crazy that I haven't seen something like this before kind of pop up in the mainstream. Like, how do you explain? So two parts to the question, like, number one, how and why did this come about? Why did you decide to do this? And how did you see the business model playing out? And why do you think no one has done it before? Well, to the first part of the question, one of the reasons why it has not necessarily been something that's talked about often is it, you have SAP, you have Oracle and a lot of other companies who are putting out sourcing and procurement software, but they're only selling those to corporations, big companies. They're going for the big sales. Yep. No one's really thinking about the little guys. No one's ever had any real attention towards the little guys. And so when I was working in that corporate space for, as I mentioned, right, 30 plus years, I saw even in the diversity space where small businesses were fighting to get corporate contracts, but that's a very fleeting effort. It's really homogenous. And when I say it's homogenous, that means that you generally get the same vendors each and every month or year that's getting business from these major corporations. There's no mix. Right. So if you're a great company out there and you're fighting to get a contract, a lot of times it's about comfort, it's about relationships, but if you're so good at what you're doing, but you're not necessarily tied directly into doing all your marketing and branding and knocking on doors with some of these companies, it becomes painful that you're not getting a shot in the dark. It's hard to get in the gate, right? It's hard to yes. get in that first time to, to have an opportunity to build a relationship Absolutely. with getting these bids. And so I would imagine like when I was in the corporate space, which was has been quite some time now, but it pretty much was exactly what you mentioned. They would use the same vendors over and over because mm -hmm. they knew what they were getting. It's like you're hungry, you go to McDonald's because you know what you're going to get. It might not be the best, <laughs> but you know what it's going to be. It's going to be the same as last time, and there's no surprises. And so it's tough to break through that first time, right? And, and going back to the second part of your question, why no one's talking about it, that brings something to mind. We currently are putting out right now a bid 
to get small businesses involved in a GSA contract. And as you mentioned, one of the things that happens is that there's so much activity with what people are accustomed to and what they're comfortable with. No one's really, either they're not knowledgeable about some of the things that are going on, or they're just not willing to even engage in those discussions. And when I was mentioning, as I was mentioning about the GSA contract bid, we just put out uh, a gentleman by the name of Troy Humphreys, who is the owner, EO and owner of LSC Group. He has a GSA contract and he and I spoke and we spoke to his contracting officer at the GSA office. And he said, hey, if you wanna add more companies to your GSA contract, it's your contract. You can do that. So we sat down and we figured out a way of being able to leverage our platform with BitLock to be able to say, okay, let's find out what types of services and products you want to add to your GSA. And let's just go out and put it out as a bid and have people bid, show us what their capabilities are, right. submit their comp their capability statements and provide their information and have him just sort through it and, and make his selection on which vendors are going to have an opportunity to be a part of it. But this is just phase one. He has many other categories that he's looking to introduce. This is something that we really want to start opening up the gateway for discussions. Let's start talking about the things that are not being talked about. So that's interesting. Um, I don't know anything about GSA partnerships. Uh, I can't believe this is the first I'm hearing about it, but it, it sounds almost like a vetted access, like someone that has a, a GSA partnership has vetted access to, and are they all government contracts or are they different? Are they corporate contracts as well? What are they exactly? Where are they coming from? Well, the GSA contracts are heavily vetted. And what that means is, is that individuals who have a GSA They've been vetted through the, the government, meaning that they've gone through a lot of scrutiny. They've gone through a lot of checks and balances. And what happens is that they're providing all of their information to the government. So when you have all of your information in front of them, just think of it this way. It's like having that TSA clearance. Rather than having to stand in that long line at the airport, you get that TSA clearance. You just skirt right on by. Right. That's the way the GSA generally, you know, functions. Once you've gotten that clearance, you get that first level treatment. Now, what's even more beneficial is that the projects that come through GSA are never seen on the general contracting side. Those are completely separate engagements. So someone with a GSA partnership, such as Troy Humphrey from LSC, you're saying someone, if someone has a GSA partnership, they can actually share that out to another provider? What do they do? They subcontract the work or like, how does that actually work? Well, it's simple. What happens is that the contract holder, the GSA contract holder could set up a contract. So what you would call either teaming agreements, partnership agreements, or consortium agreements with any of the companies that he's looking to bring on board or any of the companies that they're looking to bring on board under that GSA. Now, what happens is those vendors are not going to be front and center. The contract holder will still be the liaison or the, the counterperson that the government is going to deal with because that is the contract owner. For example, if you have office supplies under a GSA and you want to bring in someone who's doing construction, now what happens is you'll set up a contract with the person that's doing the construction work. And once that's added into your GSA, 
and it's registered with your contracting officer, what then happens is that you would receive those projects or those assignments or that work over to you for construction. And you would then be able to relay that to the individual who's under your contract under that GSA. So they're still performing the work and they're still responsible for performing the work. And you're just that person that's giving them that access. So the greatest benefit to having a GSA or being a part of a GSA partnership is skipping the line, basically. You have access to things that no one else has access to. And what are the typical sizes of these contracts? And you did say earlier, it's funny that you said this, you said the definition of small business is quite vague anymore because I believe according to the U.S. government, it's less than 500 employees. Microsoft says it's less than 75 employees. Other people have different ideas of what a small business is. And so there's really, there really is no definition. So can you tell us a little bit about what these contracts look like and what you consider a small business to be? And give us an example of some businesses that you would be looking for to use Bidlock who would benefit the most, like what size are they? What industries are they in? What verticals are they in? Things like that. For for this particular GSA, for the five GSA bids we have in place now, we're this is the first phase. We will be doing others later, but we're looking for legal services. So individuals who have provided can provide these services: legal translation and interpretation, professional services, transportation and logistics, and construction. So when we're talking construction, you're talking materials and pretty much the whole gambit. So those are the categories we're looking at now. Now, when you're talking about the amount of capital, amount of revenue that can be generated from this, we're talking projects that could be as big as remodeling an airport. You're talking hundreds of millions, even just hundreds of millions of dollars that's allocated to just any singular contract in many cases. When you're a small business, it does get capped out in the singular award at 250K. And that too may change eventually, but with having a the ability to develop a consortium, small businesses could come together as one bigger business right, and right. compete for some of those larger projects. So mm-hmm. there's no restrictions there. The government is very flexible when it comes down to how you want to do it, as long as you can do the work. That's right. the most important part. So when you think about small businesses, and just to answer that question, the SBA is capped it out at companies that make up to $35 million. I think they probably would bump it up to $40 million. So we got to keep our eye on the ball there because, as you mentioned, 500 employees, $35, $40 million rev- annual revenue caps. We just want to make sure that we keep that as low as possible. Our approach, when we're looking at small businesses, we're looking at a much smaller nature of companies. If you got 100 employees, I would consider that to be a small business. If you're raking in maybe 5 million or 10 million a year, because we know how much overhead you have. We know that there's cost in goods and materials, salaries. We're not looking at the huge guys that would be considered as a mid-sized company to be a small business. We're really looking at the little guys. So Mm -hmm. I'm pushing for the smallest guys in the room to get a center stage, to be able to have an opportunity to become one of the bigger guys. So those are the folks that I'm looking at. Veterans, love it. And I know it's September 11th, so I have to give a shout out to all the guys who have been putting in that time 
who been those major heroes out there that don't get a lot of attention. Shout out to you guys for that. I really want to make sure that those veterans, women-owned businesses, disabled veterans, hub zones, I want everybody to have a shot at being able to get more business than what they've been able to generate in the past. We got to make sure they succeed. Yeah, I love your passion. And I think what you're doing is so amazing because it's a buzzword out there. People like to talk about veterans and women-owned businesses and things like that, but not everyone's really doing something about it that's actually Absolutely. Uh, hitting the bottom line and, and really helping people. And I do think that small businesses a lot of times aren't getting the representation that they should because, as you said, there's such a enormous part of the economy. There are benefits to dealing with small businesses too. They're yes. much more agile. They're much more faster to, to change and to bring on new services and new expertise. Whereas larger businesses, it takes forever to change a whole department yes. or to change direction any time, of any type. There are a lot of benefits there as well. So it's not always best to go and, and work with the big guys. And how small, what's the typical size of the businesses that are on Bidlock so far? I think you just launched this. When exactly did you launch Bidlock? I started building it back in uh, August of 2020. We officially launched in April of this year. And what I've been finding is that, and it's been difficult to get people to, you know, to, hey, registration is at no cost. Everybody's thinking it, well, there has to be a catch. No, there is no catch. Let it be known now, there is no catch. We do not charge for registrations. I wouldn't we have thought you would have had that uh, <laughs> friction, actually. I Because it, it makes sense to me. So it's I find it uh, curious that you're getting a little bit of uh, friction from people on the sign-up. But we got to get the word out there. So it's free That's to sign up. It's, it's free to be a member and, and get involved because there's a apparently there's a lot of contracts to go around. And I love the idea yes. of working with other small businesses, too, because we work specifically with other small businesses and I wouldn't want to do anything else to be honest so absolutely and think of it this way a lot of small businesses started because there were executives or specialists in big companies who didn't like the way big companies were functioning and they decided to just step out and just like myself and just go start your own business and sell those products and services at one, a lower overhead, better customer service, better quality of service, more attention. You're no longer, the customers are not a number. They literally embrace those customers, but you get better experience from a lot of these guys. And so to your point, you don't wanna just get skirted to the side. You don't wanna wait forever to get something done. You don't wanna be paying for overhead that's unnecessary, just unnecessary expenses because the customer ultimately ends up having to pay for any of those overheads. Small businesses have always been the way to go. We just, we've been so clouded in the marketplace with big business marketing and branding that in many cases, some customers have been burned. Yeah. Some vendors have been burned. I think small businesses have been playing the wrong game. They've been playing the game yeah. of the big business and you, you can't do that. It's like swimming upstream. And so you're basically making a new game and big businesses are not invited. <laughs> there you go. I could not have said it better, but you're spot on. You're spot on. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Is Bidlock also a place where basically small businesses, I guess there's going to be some sort of rating process or, or feedback process. You can go on there and see how other small businesses have performed and how they were rated when they engaged 
with someone else on the platform and to did a project? Does it work like that? So you can go on there and choose other small businesses to work with who have really good feedback, who deliver really great products and services and that sort of thing. Our goal is, and yes, we do have a rating system for those businesses who have been awarded. And I want to share this as well. Our, our focal point is, and I know that these questions have come up, I've had to answer this question probably a million times. How do you get paid if you're not charging for registrations? We get paid by transactions, which means that if you win, then we have a small fee that we charge once you win. If you're not winning a project, we're not going to charge you. That's one of, I want to see small businesses succeed. And when those companies perform a service, those customers are going to rate them. Those customers are going to rate them. So they start building up that reputation. What we do in the bidding process is that, for example, if you want someone to come out and do some work for you, be it painting or commercial construction, consulting services, whatever it may be, you put that bid in you're not going to see who's bidding in for that until you start receiving their proposals. Now, during the course of those proposals, you'll see that vendor and you could see where they're ranked, where they rate it. If they perform services in the past through BitLock and been awarded through BitLock, or if they're just brand new. And the other thing that I wanted to share is we are startup friendly. We have startup companies who are just trying to get their feet off the ground. They're trying to find ways of gaining traction and building their customer base. We welcome those small businesses or those startups to register on BitLock. And if a vendor, if a small business is looking to buy something and they're trying to cut their cost, put it through BitLock. I found out that a lot of small businesses do, they do all of their buying through Google searches or mm-hmm. through Angie's List or Home right. Advisor, Thumbtack. And I'm thinking, how are you knowing you're getting the best quality? How do you know if you're getting the best cost? Yeah, You're not bidding it out. Bid it out. That's mm-hmm. the thing. We shop to reduce our cost. And the economy is not going to get any friendlier. So I think we need to find ways of cutting our expenses. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I'm really excited about it. Obviously, I'm going to sign up. You got us. We're going to we're going to get in there, get our profiles set up, and hopefully engage into some bids and, and get going in there. It's really exciting. Outstanding. Yeah. So what's your kind of end goal for BidLock? Where do you see it going? Right now, you've got it up and running. It's free to register, free to join, free to get bids, right? And obviously, you take a service charge, which is how all those sites pretty much work. That's how PayPal works. It's how eBay works. It's how Upwork works. It's obviously, but the great thing about it is if I get a bid, if I win a bid, well, I want you to take your cut, right? Because we win together. I mean, that's great. So where do you see BidLock going? You mentioned adding in more GSA top tier and government contracts. And also you have the, the white label partnering going on. Do you have any, what types of companies or what types of people are white labeling, I guess, people that have their own GSA partnerships and they want to get in into winning big contracts with, I guess, multiple teams of smaller businesses. Is that pretty much how that works? For the white labeling piece, the organizations that would be more inclined or the individuals that would be more inclined to do the white labeling would be, for example, you may have a, a contracting organization, contractors organizations for roofing or organizations such as the NMSDC or Chambers of Commerce. 
those organizations that have vendor memberships and they would want to provide an added value service to what they do. And they want to make sure that, hey, we got vendors registered in our organization. What additional values can we offer them? Well, why not offer them opportunities? Not just networking, but real opportunities. The goal here is to open up the gateway for individuals to say, okay, I love networking. I love going to conferences. What I would really like right now is an opportunity to generate some revenue. And generating revenue with real opportunities is the way we want to take it. In the grand scheme of things, I would like to see us go down the path of doing more white labeling with these organizations. For the GSA segment of it, I would say those contracting officers and those GSA contract owners, they would not necessarily be a part of the white labeling, but we can work with them and consult them on how to be able to add to their GSA contracts. We want to help them be able to expand their exposure with federal government funding as well. Because if you got one category that you have under your GSA, I'm more than sure you could do a lot better in the revenue stream if you got 10 categories. Right. So so those people are literally by not doing that, by not partnering with someone like you and not having that network of small businesses to use to within their GSA, they're literally leaving money on the table and they're not utilizing their GSA as much as they could. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and which is part of the, the bigger challenge is that no one's talking about it. And we want to make sure that we start bringing about the discussion points now. We want people to talk about it. We want those GSA contractors to come out and talk to their contracting officers and say, well, what can I do? How can I approach this? How can I gain more value out of my existing contracts? And if you're not aware of it, those GSA contracts are for like 20, 25 years. So just imagine having a contract for that long And you have all the flexibility to be able to manage it in accordance to the guidelines established by the GSA. There's so much flexibility. It's it's, to your earlier point. You're leaving money on the table if you're not taking advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting. I've heard people talk about government contracts a lot over the years. Probably not a lot. I don't think I hear about it all that often, but I have heard it talked about a lot. But anytime I've talked to anyone who's gone down that road, they tell me, forget it. It's impossible. It's a mountain of paperwork. You will never even submit all the right documents in the right order to the right people and just forget it. Because if you're a small business, you, you need like a whole legal staff just to get the paperwork in and you still won't win because there's a thousand other people bidding for the same stuff and you can forget it because it always goes to big business because they're very good at that game so yeah that's really exciting it's crazy i'll say this much it it is a daunting task when you're pursuing a government contract on your own and there are a number of companies and individuals even folks that i've come across on linkedin and youtube that are saying, hey, you can win a government contract. It's easy to do. In many cases, depending on your product or your service, there are workarounds. And But there generally isn't when it comes down to government contracts. There are ways to be able to expedite the process, but you still have to pretty much provide a lot of documentation. Mm-hmm. Where you have the difference between those general contracts and a GSA is that once you become a part of a GSA, 
Now, the GSA contract holder had to go through all of that and more. But if they open up the gateway for you to say, okay, you can piggyback off of my contract, Mm -hmm. then you don't have to go through all of that noise. Mm -hmm. You just have to provide, hey, this is what my capabilities are. Here's my experience. Here's my pricing sheet. And once that's there and you guys agree that this is going to be added to that GSA, you're done. Mm -hmm. You're done. You don't have to worry about the general contracting approach waiting to three, four months to actually get something. In some cases, if the government is really in need of something, there are ways to be able to get to that point where you don't have to wait forever in a day. But in general, the process is what it is. There are things that they just have to adhere to in regards to their process and how the bureaucracy works. But if you really want to just find that shorter path and not have to gamble, find somebody with a GSA contract See if they're willing to partner with you or bring you on board and let you piggyback off of their GSA and move forward. It's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. It's so interesting that now you came from corporate. You said you knew a lot about GSA contracting and and a lot of contracting from your corporate experiences. And at what point did it dawn on you that this enormous opportunity existed for you to start bidlock.com? Like, when did that seed get planted? When I worked in the public sector decades ago, I don't want to give my age out, but it's a, <laughs> I pretty much already have, but it was a long time ago when I first got exposed to just government contracts. When I started learning about GSAs, that was when I really just started my business, but I really didn't know enough about it. It was like, it's like learning how to boil water. That's as much as I knew. I had very little knowledge about cooking other than the boiling water part of it. When I met with Troy, someone who actually had a GSA, he educated me extensively on all of the intricate details associated with the GSAs, speaking with his contracting officer, really just solidified some of the things that I learned about. When I started thinking about what I understood about government contracts in general, which varies. And this is the thing that I want to make sure that everyone is clear on. All government contracts are not the same. Different agencies have different requirements and different expectations around the proposals and how you have to submit information. So there is no, I will repeat, there is no cookie cutter way of going after a government contract. What the Navy does is different from what the Marines do and what the Department of Energy does and what the USDA does. Everyone has a different path and pattern. So there is no one way of doing it. Registering as a small business within this space, it is going to become a little bit more of a challenge in the long term because many of the companies who have gotten out there, and yes, to your point earlier, they're frustrated. They're tired. They they don't want to give their firstborn up to be able to actually get to a point where they can get a contract where they may or may not get an award. So they do have to really measure what it is they offer, make the connections in the government because relationships matter. And those contracting officers will be more inclined to work with you if they know what it is you're doing and how that fits within the space they're in. There are more than 60,000 or more, uh, definitely more than 60,000 contracting officers in the federal government. So you imagine trying to establish relationships with all of them. 
It, it is going, you have to pick your battles. Yeah, that's an interesting number too, because I wouldn't have been able to guess at how many. So it's just interesting to hear a ballpark number like that. Yeah. What's so far bidlock.com, what's been your main way of not customer acquisition, but signups? How have you been promoting it so far? I've gone out and we're LinkedIn to, and I'll use LinkedIn as I've kind of used it loosely. We've linked into a, a number of different uh, social media platforms, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We're out there just trying to promote the information. I'm not a marketing guy. I will repeat that. I am a sourcing, procurement, logistics, contract management guy. I am not a source, uh, a, a marketing guy. That's help that I definitely am looking to, to get. But in general, I've just taken liberty of saying, I want to go out there. I want to tell people what's out there. I want to tell them what we're looking to try to do. I want to sit down with them and answer any questions that they may have and help them understand how we're looking to try to help them without gouging them, without digging in their pockets. Everyone's concerned about how much is it going to cost for something. And I get it. If you're a small business, you're watching your budgets. We want to take a different approach. We want to be outside of the box. We, we don't want to follow the trends that the current market has. We do want to help. And so whatever your platform, which is an excellent opportunity as well for us, is to be able to get the word out. And that's our goal, is just to be able to spread the word as often and as frequently as we possibly can to make sure people understand what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. Anyone who has owns a small business who doesn't sign up at bidlock.com, I think you're crazy. It's free and you can connect with a lot of other small businesses. There's a GSA contracts, which are a potential thing as well, yeah. but there's no cost involved. So it's funny because when you're a small business and you put yourself out there on all these listing sites, like you never know when, where a phone call is going to come from. I get crazy emails and phone calls from people that go, oh yeah, I found out about you like three years ago and I didn't do anything. And now or I met you at a BNI networking group and I got your card wow. and I'm like, oh my God, it ends up being a really big job and a really good uh, partnership. So you just, you never know. Get on bidlock.com is what I have to say. I'm going to do it today. If I probably don't have time in, until after my next meeting, but this evening, probably in front of the TV on my laptop, I'm going to get this going here. So <laughs> Excellent. looking forward to it. And as we're working through our patent to exercise what we're doing going forward, we're focused primarily right now in the U.S. because we really want to get small businesses in the U.S. up and running. We're aiming our attention in other regions of the globe, but that's further down the road. Our approach right now is to really help small businesses thrive here in the in the good old USA. Yeah, awesome. So here's a here's a zinger for you. We'll change direction just a little bit for a minute. What are some of the business strategies and philosophies that have uh, helped you be successful so far with Bidlock in your startup? Listening to feedback, being very astute to what has been shared. I've had a number of amazing people provide me, they've gone and they're registered or they reviewed the site and they've provided some really good feedback. And so I do take feedback very seriously. And because it is my platform, I have the luxury of pivoting whenever I know that I need to, because the goal here is to meet the needs of the consumer, which is both the vendor and the buyer's. And that's what's that's my main strategy is right now is to look at what's available, look at how we approach it, but also making absolutely sure that the feedback that we are receiving either is in the works for being adjusted 
or modify, or it's something we should be taking into consideration. So I'm very excited about the fact that we have had a lot of great comments and feedback that's really supported us. It's so interesting that you say that, and I don't think you, maybe you don't realize how big of a statement that was that you just made. Interestingly enough, I have a master's degree in technology entrepreneurship, and one of the very simplistic things that you learn about is customer discovery. And most startups don't do it, which is insane, (laughs) right? And it's easy to do, right? Just talk to your prospects and say, hey, this is what we have, or this is what we want to build. What are your thoughts about it? People will tell you. Just ask. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. And it's just a wealth of information. You get some silly answers, but a lot of them are good. And you'll see patterns very quickly, won't you? You start hearing the same kinds of feedbacks, the same types of ideas, the same types of concerns. And so, yeah, that's. I think that's absolutely crucial. So I, I love that you're doing that and it's helping shape your direction of BidLock and your development and the app and, and how things function in there. Awesome. Yeah, and that's it's great that you said that because it, it did take me a moment to get out of my get out of the emotional side of your business because you build something, it becomes your it's your baby. And you you don't want anyone criticizing it. But at the same time, once you step away from it and put yourself in their shoes, if I'm going to use something, I want to make sure at least that it's at least going to meet the objectives of what if I'm going to spend time not just money, but time on trying to use something, I at least want to have the opportunity of leveraging whatever I can say to make it better. Let that be the case. I want to hear that kind of information because if I think about the Jeff Bezos of the world, he was going in and he was going to sell books on the platform until someone told him, hey, here's some feedback that I have. Why don't you just sell everything? And (laughs) lo and behold, we have Amazon. So that level of feedback can pivot you into ways you can never imagine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right. It's very important to take it in and understand it. Yeah. And I think it's important to be open-minded, also practical. And also I like to remind like my customers, your software, your website, your business, your bank account, it doesn't have any emotions and it doesn't care how you feel. Spot on. It doesn't. Spot on. You can. So, So my advice is always... I think when you're making critical decisions and you're analyzing you know, data and information, you're thinking about how to make your business better and, and uh, thinking about how to make the customer experience better and how to deliver more value to your customers and to make things better. I don't think emotion, I think there's a time where you should just cut all the emotion out and just look at it from a very practical, factual standpoint, at least uh, a little bit for a small bit of time. And you might see things a little bit differently and be a little bit more, I think, open to new ideas. Rather than Absolutely. preconceived ones. Because <laughs> it's easy to get stuck on that tunnel, right? It is. And and you do have to filter out the noise. Obviously, not every ounce of feedback and comment is going to be a winner. I've had someone even tell me, they said, you should have just explained what the GSA is when you did your first uh, discussion point on it. I said, well, a lot of the folks that I'm assuming is going to be actually reviewing those videos. They may know what a GSA is. I use the acronym because that's what the government uses. They use acronyms for pretty much everything. Yeah. And acronyms are a lot easier than to try to spell it all out for every little thing that you're doing. So I tried to take an easier approach, but that was feedback for someone who didn't necessarily know. And I'm fine with that. But you take it with a grain of salt, you make the adjustments, and you keep pushing. Absolutely. What Do you have any benchmarks or goals 
for Bidlock, say over the next you know year or anything like that, do you have a certain number of businesses you'd like to have signed up or a certain deal revenue or number of one deals or transactions or, or what in your mind will make Bidlock successful over the next whatever period of time that you've thought yeah, of? I'd say between now and the end of the year, I'd like to at least get to a point where we're having at least at least five to, to 10 transactions between now and year end. And that generally will put us in a position where we want to be able to see how it's moving. We really want to see how it's moving from a variety of different stages. And I'd say within, within 2024, we want to start doubling, tripling, quadrupling those numbers month over month so that we can start adding in. And the goal here right now is to add more vendors. Our goal is to really just get more vendors on. I don't want to have customers or consumers and buyers registering on, and there's no vendors there. So they're putting right. in bids, but we're having difficulty in finding people. I'd like to get some of the organizations to partner with me for every state has directories of small businesses. Well, hey, let's join forces, partner with me. We'll get them migrated onto, onto the, the platform and we'll partner. We can start doing revenue sharing if necessary. There's so many different ways of doing this. And that's another thing that we're offering too, is that unlike, it's like an offset of affiliate marketing for those organizations who are partnering with us, we, we would be willing to share a percentage of the net if they can help build up our base. So if we're building up our vendor base, and getting it out there and start getting more people logged in as a vendor than they have on Hub on many of the other groups, I guess the other organizations that are out there like Angie's List and so forth. If we could start getting up to their numbers without yeah. charging people for leads, that would be a great starter for us to really start yeah. saying, now we can start getting the bids in. We have enough people who can actually do those services or provide those products. Mm -hmm. I wanna be able to make sure that we can start getting that level of impact for those companies so we can see the migration and see the growth of those companies start saying, okay, hey, we, we started last year, our revenues spiked up you know, 10 times. I love right. those success stories for small businesses and yeah. I want them to be able to say those. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I, I think once you get over that, kind of first hurdle, yeah. I think it'll become very easy, right? Because it seems a little new. What you're doing, it's a little bit new. It's not completely new, but the way that you're doing it, uh, a little bit new. And I think maybe that's where some of the friction is with people that are like, this seems new, like I don't get it, but it's so simple. It's a, I mean, yeah. to me, it's like a no brainer. Why would you not? Then again, I'm engulfed into the business world on a daily basis and yeah. working with a lot of other businesses on a normal basis. Maybe it's not quite as obvious, maybe for the B2C type businesses and, and, and stuff like that and, and some other people, yeah. but yeah, I, I wish you all the success in the world. I think it's going to be big. Thank you very much for that. And then I appreciate you sharing that. And Thank you for even having me on the platform. This has been magnificent, man. Jay, yeah. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, it was a blast. I got, so one more question. Uh, if you want to, if you could give some advice to our audience. So entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs that want to succeed in a big way. What things have you learned through that process that you wish you would have known when you started that you could give to them? Planning. It's one of the number one things. When I started this, be prepared for the ups and the downs, more downs and ups. If the more unique your idea, 
the more challenging it's going to be in trying to get it out in the open market. If you're another cog in the wheel, you can just pretty much mimic what others are doing out there and just try to build a better mousetrap. The goal is not to be identical. One of the things that I used to ask vendors in the procurement space, what sets you apart from your competitors? And that's always a question that we ask in the corporate space in procurement and supply chain. What sets you apart? Because if you have no distinguishing elements, I could go to anyone that's in your space rather than you. So what makes you unique? And so if you do have uh, an idea or you have a plan of action or you have something that you really want to do, well, one, be prepared for the worst Expect the best, but be prepared for the worst and don't shy away from it, especially when you know that it's something that you want to deliver, that you have value in it. Believe in yourself, believe in what you're presenting and go for it. I, I take the old David Goggins approach. You truly yeah. believe in what you're doing and or if you don't, do it anyway, because something regret is the worst thing you can have if you just don't pursue that opportunity. Fantastic. So make sure you have a unique value proposition. Stay the course. Yep. And if something gets in your way, go through it. That's it. (laughs) That's it. Awesome. Any small businesses out there, go to bidlock.com and right on the top, register, get signed up. Get on the platform is completely free and you can start bidding and receiving bids from other small businesses and at some point soon take part in some government contracts as well. So very exciting to see this roll out and become accessible to small businesses. Thanks so much, Charles Johnson from Bidlock. It was great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Jay. Have a great one, man.